Hi, my name is Tracy Coral, and welcome to Indispensable People. I'm a wife, mom, teacher, pastor, and missionary, and I believe that every person should have the opportunity to know Christ, grow in Him, and serve Him with the gifts that He has given, no matter their ability. Over 65 million Americans have a disability. That's 25% of the population. However, over 80% of them are not inside the walls of our church. Let's dive into those hard topics, biblical foundations, perceptions, and world-changing ideas. Thanks for joining me. Today we're going to talk about ADHD. I think it's a buzzword. I think people roll it off their tongues more often than not when they forget something, when they lose focus. They're like, well, you know, I it's just my ADHD. It becomes a regular conversation, but does a disservice to people who are actually diagnosed with it because, listen, everyone can have forgetfulness. Everyone can lose focus. That's not uh, what we're talking about. What we're talking about is someone who experiences it to an extreme that changes the way they live their life. So what is it? We hear ADHD often, but it actually stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, and it's a neurodevelopmental disorder characterized by difficulties sustaining attention, hyperactivity, impulsivity, or a combination of both. Many individuals with ADHD have difficulties resisting impulses, following directions, completing tasks, and remaining even seated for long periods of time, among other signs and symptoms. ADHD is usually diagnosed in childhood and is actually the most common mental condition within children. Around six in every 10 children from the United States have at least one other mental, emotional, or behavioral condition along with ADHD. And some that are uh, very familiar to that are anxiety or depression. Forbes Health tells us that 77% of children diagnosed with ADHD receive treatment and 23% do not. 32% of children with ADHD are treated with both medical and behavioral treatment. 30% are treated with medication only, and 15% receive behavioral treatment only. With an estimated 35 to 78% of children diagnosed with ADHD, they maintain their symptoms through adulthood. 366 million adults worldwide have ADHD as of the year 2020. I'm a mom of two kids diagnosed with ADHD. One was diagnosed at the age of four, another diagnosed at the age of 10. One was absolutely evident. We knew it. There was, um, I don't know if you guys remember the cartoon Looney Tunes, and you remember the Tasmanian devil. I referred to one of my sons as the Tasmanian devil because it was literally like a spinning hurricane wherever he went. Uh, when he was younger, we tried um, some things to help him naturally because we did not want to go with medicine 
initially because, you know what, we had heard so many terrible things about it. And so uh, we did some natural things, which did help. We uh, gave him a product called the Natural Calm, which was something that we mixed into his drinks. And it provided some great vitamins and minerals, which really helped him. In addition to that, we took him to a chiropractor, which also helped to adjust his body. And um, we later went into some further testing because we had some intellectual concerns. And I had a conversation with a neuropsychologist and I asked her, I said, when do you know when it's the right time to do medicine? And I highly respected her response because she said to me, you know when it's time when the environment cannot provide for him any longer. And his self-talk begins to be negative. So um, she said if the environment can provide for him and be accommodating, then let it go. And um, it happened to be that particular week. Um, I had the privilege of teaching my one son in first grade. And that week I had done a uh, project with my kids teaching them about character traits. And so I had created a poster for each of them with a hole out in the middle where they could stick their face in like they were in a book. And I asked them to write their character traits and explain who they were. And so a part of that, my son wrote on his that he was sad, mad, and angry. And at that point in time, that was God pointing out to me. I had this conversation with the neuropsych at the same time that he wrote about his character traits. And I looked at my husband and I said, it's time. We've got to do something else for him. I am not going to stay away from providing the option of medicine if that's the avenue that helps him because I'm not going to put him in a place where he decides when he's six, seven years old that he's the bad kid and that he's just mad and angry all the time. So we pursued um, doing the medicine and we asked all the questions. I loved my son. I love his personality. I wanted none of it to be altered because of the medicine that he was taking. And um, our doctor was so great and said, listen, Either or. If he turns into a sleepy zombie, it's too much. If he turns into, you know, he's an angry monster and it's worse than normal, that's not okay either. So we can adjust based on how he's looking. He should still be the same kiddo. And so um, we were able to approach that and go um, positively forward with that to help him. And honestly, it has made a huge difference. Now, listen, we've also, along with that, taught our son strategies on how to handle things. We have also told him that his ADHD is not an excuse for poor behavior or um, choosing not to follow directions. And we've also explained to him that the medicine doesn't make the choices for him. It gives him the ability to slow down and think about the things that he's going to do and the things that he's going to say. So why on this podcast do I share this? Why do we talk about this? Well, first of all, we need to understand the people that we come in contact with, the people that we might serve in ministry, and even the people who stand beside us in our jobs in wherever we work. And 
know that, listen, yes, we hear this as a common thing for kids, but they don't outgrow it. They're not um, healed from it. It's not um, disappearing. What you do notice is that adults start to treat teach themselves strategies so that they can deal with the things that they're doing. I don't know if any of you have ever watched any Facebook reels or things like that where um, an individual talks about having ADHD. And one of the things that they do is that in the morning, they put their shoes on, even if they're not leaving their house, because their shoes on signals to their brain, I got things to do. They said as soon as they take those shoes off and get comfy, then they're not productive. They shut down. I'll also give you another explanation from um, an individual that I encountered uh, quite a few years ago. I was doing a play at my church. I was stage manager. And um, so I was in charge of helping people to know when to go on to stage and when to and how to keep them quiet behind the stage while they're waiting because there were lots of children, too. And I had all the kids under control. Everybody was doing well. But there was one adult and he was just pacing and pacing and pacing. And I said to him, like, hey, you're worse than the kids. What's going on? And he explained to me how difficult it is for him to stay still. And he explained his ADHD. And he talked about how on Sunday mornings when he's sitting in service, he said, if I sit in a chair and force myself to sit still, I hear absolutely nothing that pastor shares. He said, but if I just stand in the back of the sanctuary and kind of move back and forth from foot to foot, he said, I can repeat almost everything that pastor says. So he said, I have a choice. I can try and sit and be like everybody else, or I can stand in the back and actually learn and grow and be fed with the word. And I think that is so powerful in helping us to know and understand the people that we're going to encounter, how we're going to share with them the gospel, how we are going to approach whether they do things like you or like me or how they do things that work for themselves, how they've created strategies to maintain focus and attention in their everyday life. So I'm going to read you something specifically that a person wrote that I came across, and they said, my ADHD has made church miserable. And I want you to think through a regular Sunday morning, and we're not even talking about kids. Let's just talk about as adults. When you go into your regular Sunday morning service, what are you experiencing? Well, first, you're going to do worship. Maybe not so bad, right? You've got some movement included in there. You've got some visual. You've got some um, hearing. You're using the five senses. You're engaged. You can stand up. You're not forced to sit. But after worship, you're um, praying. You're sitting and listening. And it's for an extended period of time. I'm not sure about you, but my church starts at uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, and it ends somewhere between 11 and noon. Or 11.30 and noon. So that's an hour and a half. And I would say about 30 to 35 minutes of that are uh, is worship. So that's, you know, some moving time. Obviously, you got some greeting in there and um, altar response with some music at the end. But you're largely asking for about 45 minutes of sitting and listening. Now, first of all, if we know some basic things, um, 
the attention span is usually linked to the age. So if you are one years old, you've got me for a minute, and we all know that that's actually not true. There's no way a one-year-old stays completely focused for a whole minute on one particular thing. They're going to move their body. They're going to express and and do all those kinds of things in that time. But um, the average person can listen for about 20 minutes. 15 to 20 minutes is what they say. However, sermons are usually much longer than that. So as the church, it's important for us to realize the reality of an individual with ADHD and how it impacts their experience with their faith. We need to get to know the people that we serve. We need to understand their strengths. We need to understand how to empower them. How can we help them to focus better? What environments work best for them? Now, listen, um, an adult who has no other disability other than ADHD, there are there are usually not a whole lot more to deal with. If they're medicated, they've taught themselves strategies. They can usually work through and deal with it or do things like I told you my friend said, he just stands in the back of the sanctuary. Now, when you come in contact with someone with um, an intellectual disability as well as ADHD, they're going to have some more difficult times because the strategies that another person without an intellectual disability may teach themselves, someone with an intellectual disability may not be able to function through all those needs to create and understand, okay, I'm feeling this way. That means I need to do this, which helps me to do this. So how can we change things up? How can we think about ministering to people with ADHD in such a way that would benefit their experience, their depth of learning and um, understanding and compassion that we can give? Well, if we're talking kids, if we're talking youth, if we're talking adults with intellectual disabilities, combined with ADHD that maybe participate in learning areas or environments that are different outside of the sanctuary on Sunday morning, we can make sure that we consider interactive lessons using images and hands-on activities and music and video. The more senses that you involve, the more learning styles you will accommodate. Uh, we Visual references are also really, really important because you may miss something I've said, but if I have it in front of you for a longer period of time, you can pick up on the visual if you missed the verbal. Um, engaging the mind. A lot of times, so when, sh when this person, my friend, explained that he needed to stand back, so he said that his focus, if he was sitting, became so much of how to focus on sitting still, that he lost it. But if he allowed his body to move, then it was a benefit. I'll tell you another example of a little guy that went to our kids' church. We created a little pencil box for him that had some items in it that he could fidget with and move his hands. And for some people, they would say, well, he's not looking and he's not listening. He's going to miss it. And that actually was absolutely the opposite for him. Whenever he was in kids' church and he had this box and he could fidget, when our children's pastor would speak and ask questions and have the children respond to certain things, he his head was down and it was in that fidget box. However, he still, under his breath, replied to everything our children's pastor asked. 
So do all of those work perfectly? Will they will you need some different things for different people? Absolutely you will. However, getting to know them is what really changes everything. But what you need to know is that you can also empower them. People with um ADHD still have the capacity to do great things for God. And what we need to always remember is if God created them, he has a purpose for them. And so sometimes you need to look into specific things that they are very good at doing. Maybe they are very good in the parking lot and they are great at greeting as, you know, lots and lots of people come through. All of those kinds of things are opportunities. I'll give you an example. When my sons played soccer, the coaches loved to use them in the goal. And he said, some of my best goalies have been those with ADHD. And he says that because he said they become so hyper-focused on the ball that they are, they're, they're zoned in. Like you can't distract them from that. And that's something that um, some people with ADHD experience where they become hyper-focused on a topic or a subject or s- something that's going on. And although that is a byproduct of their ADHD, it is also a benefit that could potentially be used to to make them a great servant. So sometimes we need to remember that we can't discount someone. Actually, we always need to remember that we can't discount someone based on their disability. But we know that we can look for the gifts and the talents that God has put within them so that they can still serve and be a part of the body of Christ. So in ministry, when you are considering someone with ADHD, we're going to use some strategies like engaging the senses. We are going to give them opportunities to fidget and to move their body. We are going to make sure that we consider time limits and spans, maybe even breaks within our activities and our events. Consider even adding some visuals that would really help those who become distracted with words to focus in on what's going on. And remember, God creates everyone for a purpose and he has a plan for their life. There is no difference for someone with ADHD. Do I know everything about disability ministry? Do I have all the answers? Have I done everything perfectly? I have absolutely not. But we are going to continue this conversation so that people of all abilities can have the opportunity to know Christ, grow in him, and serve him with the gifts that he has given them.